This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Three points, three goals and a return to winning ways for Liverpool in the Premier League after the Reds beat Brentford 3-0 at Anfield. Welcome everyone to the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel with me, Patrick Smith, as we delve into the reaction to Liverpool's first Premier League win for surprisingly exactly one month. The Reds opened via the head of Fabinho at the back post before a diving Alex Oxlade Chamberlain header doubled the lead in the second half, though, unfortunately, the Ox, who was having a brilliant game, limped off injured after rolling his ankle. To add the icing on the cake would be birthday boy Takumi Minamino, who was presented with an absolute gift of a goal, following a Brentford mistake and Roberto Firmino unselfishly delivered the ball to the Japanese attacker who turns 27 today. We'll bring you all of the reaction from Anfield with Paul Gorst's verdict, Jurgen Klopp's press conference and the thoughts of all the Liverpool fans watching on from around the globe. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Liverpool are up to second in the Premier League after an ultimately comfortable 3-0 win here in Anfield this afternoon against Brentford. It's their first win in the Premier League since uh, the 3-1 win against Newcastle a month ago today and uh, it feels a long time since that victory, doesn't it, when you look back at the draw at Tottenham, the defeat at Leicester and the draw at Chelsea uh, over the last month or so. Um, damaging results that have um, barely seen Manchester City streak away in the Premier League. But uh, Liverpool have clawed three points back today and, as I say, they're up to second now, leaping ahead of Chelsea, who were beaten on Saturday 1-0 by uh, Manchester City. Um, goals from... Uh, Fabinho, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Takumi Minamino were enough for the Reds here against Thomas Frankshire as they kind of avenged the uh, disappointing result of the 3-3 draw at the Brentford Community Stadium uh, back in September. Um, Jürgen Klopp made two changes to this one after seeing a bit of an uh, uninspired, insipid display against Arsenal on Thursday night. So James Milner and Minamino came out for Curtis Jones and Oxlade-Chamberlain and Jones was uh, one of Liverpool's best performers and they started uh, in the middle and uh, drifted over to the left uh, as the game wore on and uh, it was really bright and inventive at times forcing Alvaro Fernandes in the Brentford goal into a decent save in the second half with his uh, ability to run at players and uh, his fearlessness in possession uh, he surely played himself into the team for Thursday's um, Carabao Cup semi-final at Arsenal as I say he was one of Liverpool's best performance on the day and Jan Klopp spoke on Friday of a, a lengthy chat he had with the England in, under-21 international uh, quite recently about turning that promise and potential into something a bit more consistent so this was a good day for him um, uh, would have been a good day for Oxlade-Chamberlain following his uh, excellent diving header for Mandy Robertson's uh, superb delivery uh, at the cop end in the second half but he, uh, he went off a few minutes later with an ankle injury and Jürgen Klopp said they're not too sure how serious that is at the moment so we will keep an eye on that he must be considered a doubt now for Thursday against Arsenal but we'll await an update on that one uh, Minamino the uh, birthday boy off the bench uh, couldn't miss really uh, Brentford playing the way into trouble <clears throat> at the cop end from a free uh, goal kick Firmino pressed won the ball played it to Minamino and it was an easy tap in for the Japan international who uh, seems to be making a little bit of a habit of coming off the bench in Premier League games and scoring tap-ins. That was his second of the season and um, he has been uh, someone who Klopp has been able to call upon in the Carabao Cup so we'll also be looking to uh, continue his run in that competition on Thursday. Um, the long-term issues of <clears throat> Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah's absence goes on of course and Klopp said that uh, while any team in the world would miss them, um, he's done. It's got enough within the squad to cope in their absence over the next couple of weeks, uh, at least. It's Crystal Palace next and Mane and Salah <clears throat> uh, will be missing that one as well. So uh, once again, he's going to be looking to the likes of Jones and Minamino and 
hopefully Oxley chamberlain to call upon uh, for that one. But uh, Liverpool were much improved here um, from Thursday night. Uh, three goals and uh, ultimately, as I say, routine victory. And they're up to second, um, probably. Uh, what you can ask for at the moment when you think of uh, Manchester City's 12-game um, winning run. But uh, Liverpool won't be thinking too far ahead just yet. Uh, they're back to winning ways in the Premier League and they uh, they deserve it this afternoon. Finished here at Anfield, Liverpool 3, Brentford 0. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. <laughs> Japan. There we go. Yes. <laughs> in fact, we'll go to you first, uh, if that's okay, because you're the first in, then we'll go to Chris Bascom. So uh, Masatoshi first, then to Chris Bascom, um, and then to the other hands that we've got up. Uh, I do need the hands up in the attendees if you want to come in. Okay, fire away. Hi, how you going? Hi, Masatoshi. Tax <laughs> seemed much sharper today. Um, press well, uh, got third goal, and nearly set up the fourth. That was a, a good game for his confidence and, of course, his 27th birthday today. Yes, today pretty much started with uh, um, birthday songs and all the uh, available questions and uh, mm. uh, languages. So, um, and, and it was really nice. And um, so Taki obviously got the boost already before the game through mm. the, the nice songs. Um, <laughs> and then on. Yeah. Coming on and, and, and um, being that much in the game and scoring this really nice goal, uh, absolutely helpful for him and for us. So very important. As I said, Tuck is in a good moment and um, that's why it was very helpful. I came back from the injury, or, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's now a little bit ago. Yeah, of course, uh, injury interrupts and rhythm and all these kind of things. Play now the last game, 90 minutes, and, and now today uh, coming on, that's, uh, I think, was the rhythm that was right for him. So um, it was Thursday, Sunday. It's not easy after coming back from injury, so that's why he didn't start tonight, um, uh, today. But it's, it was good. How's that? It's a good moment. Cheers. Thank you very much. We'll go to Paul Joyce, then Chris Bascom, Dom King, and Chris McKenna. Paul first. Jürgen, yeah, the celebrations at the end were, were a bit... Uh, stronger than normal was that because of relief or because you think this is an important result confidence wise ahead of Thursday both so do I have to make a difference there so no it was I, look the game I, I thought again for us uh, the way Brentford plays against us is really uncomfortable so as a team at home uh, you um if you want to and have to win the game, then it's the, you want to control the game. And to control this game is particularly difficult because the ball is felt like it was 20 minutes in the air today. Um, and there were so many situations, header, 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 header. So you need to be 100, full of desire in this moment um, to, to sort it. You have to bring the ball down on the floor and from there you have to play. So that's really tricky. Um, and that's why I'm so happy. So this, the game against Brentford, it, I knew before that will be really a tough one. It was a tough one. Um, and that's why I'm so happy that we did so well in, uh, in other moments. Um, we, we, we showed the boys in, in halftime three situations where we did really well in the first half. I think we had more, but we showed them three where we really played the way we have to play. Um, Score on top of that a goal from a set piece, which is absolutely helpful because um, the set piece now against Arsenal were really bad. Today they were really good. Um, and we should keep that, actually. <laughs> that would be very helpful. And um, so 
it's uh, I think a part of a spell in the second half and when they when they took a bit more risk um, we needed a little bit too long to adapt to it in the moment we adapted to it so they had then a chance a real chance but in the moment when we adapted we controlled the game again scored really nice goals and I'm really happy about it and, and does it help with confidence ahead of Thursday it shows you've got goals in the team yeah I'm not surprised about that but winning it's good for confidence, definitely. So I, I don't think we struggled confidence-wise. So we can pretty much um, cut off the public noise. So what's happening around, what's what we knew against Arsenal, what, what was not right. But what you, not you personally, but, but the, the world out there makes of it then in a moment. So like just putting the finger in the obvious thing that a couple of players are not here, world-class players, by the way. Um, we knew that, and um, so we didn't have to read it. And so we could do our own thing, and that's what we did. Okay, thank you. Chris Baskin, Dom King, and Chris McKenna. Chris. Hi, hi again. If I could just steal one of your famous quotes, could, do you think you you need to make um, doubters into believers in this title race? Because, you know, there's a feeling City they're so far ahead, they can't be caught, but it was quite clear from your manner the team's manner, you're going to fight on. But if Yes, but if we do, would do something like this, we wouldn't do it in public. So we don't have to convince anybody outside um, to believe or, or if they want to believe, they can believe. So I think people are with us. They want to enjoy the ride. They want to, they are ready to, to, to go for as much as we can. This is not a situation to talk about a title fight, obviously. So I'm not sure how many points are at now. It's 11, one game in hand. Um, yeah, uh, in a normal world, nothing happens anymore. But what is normal nowadays? So, so um, we try to to do our part with the rest. We have nothing to do. Thank you, Chris, Dominic, and then Chris McKenna. Thank you, Matthew. Um, Jürgen, how's um, uh, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain? Um, the injury that he that forced him off because he he'd had such a good game and um, yeah. looked really looked really sharp today. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was really good. <laughs> that's a shadow on the game we don't know yet but uh, something with the ankle he rolled his ankle now we hope that it's nothing serious but we will get the f- further or final information earliest tomorrow that's how it is in these case, in these situations that, uh, you, you, you mean it looks like it, it's, it not, might not be something trivial it looks like it, it could be a couple of weeks or something or is it still too early to say no yeah absolutely too early I have no idea don't know okay Okay, thanks. No, no, and uh, Chris McKenna to finish. Sorry, I was going to ask similar, but I mean, it's it's another frustrating thing for Alex. It's like he gets a goal and it's positive, and then he has to come off. Unfortunately, that's his life, and his special life of a footballer. He did absolutely nothing wrong. Nobody did anything wrong. It just happened. Um, there's nothing to do with Alex. It's just it happened. Could have happened to anybody. It would have been really average for everybody. So um, yeah, uh, but let's let's wait for it. So it's absolutely nothing. We don't know anything about it, and um, so we have to wait. And so you have to wait. The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's 3-0 win at home to Brentford. A bit uneventful at first. Um, and then we, we warmed to the task, which was good to see. I was I was watching Robbo take corners from the left-hand side um, with his left foot. Uh, and 
I think twice he failed to get past the first man and I was just thinking to myself it would be a smart thing to do to get Trent taking corners on that side of the field <laughs> then, he, then he does so and um, Fabinho nods in the opening goal so yeah that worked well <laughs> um, I, I I saw on the lineups that were on the the, uh, the feed I was watching Premier League Productions that they had Oxlade Chamberlain on the left hand side of midfield and Curtis Jones on the right hand side up front which obviously I think to most of us seemed wrong um, but maybe they should have switched it around I, I found them to be quite ineffective particularly for the first two thirds of the game I think Curtis then um, well he had a, certainly had a better second half and I'm, I'm not um, being overly critical here because I think he's he's just coming back from from injury, isn't he? And I think his his influence on games will increase um, given time, given the opportunity to get more of a run out. Still a little bit disappointed in Ox. Yes, of course he scored the goal, and it was it was nice to see. And uh, again, not feeling bad for him that he that he had to hobble off injured. But I I just think he's he's a bit quiet and not not imposing himself on the game as much as I'd like to see him do that. When we when we haven't got Mo and we haven't got Sadio and, and, and Naby Keita as well, I guess, it would be really good to have Harvey Elliott around, wouldn't it? I mean, he made such a good start to the season. And he looks like a player that could could fill in, you know, both of those roles that we've just talked about with Curtis and, and Ox, not so much on the, the left-hand side, but he could play right midfield. I also think he could play on the right side up front and 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 be a, a player that is is in some ways in the Mo Salah mould he's got a lot to learn and a lot of uh, skills to develop to get to Mo's level but he's in that mould the same sort of player I would say um, can nip in and nip inside cut inside and and be a goal threat I really am looking forward to seeing him again I think he's back in training this coming week isn't he which at best, I suppose, means that he might make a, a substitute appearance at the weekend. But I, I look forward to that. I certainly think he's got a big future with Liverpool. It, it's, it opens your eyes, doesn't it, with Mo and Sadio in particular not being around at the moment. Because you think about how our our front three of Sadio, Bobby and Mo have just taken us under Jürgen's guidance to, you know, the... A, a, another great Liverpool era and that can't last forever uh, and of those three players you know obviously Mo Salah is among the very best in the world at the moment but he's in contract limbo we've got to get that sorted out soon Bobby Firmino clearly I think is is on the decline uh, and, and I think we could probably say the same for Sadio although he still presses like an absolute demon but he's got some some challenges I think in front of goal these days and um, I'm not sure that we'll on a consistent basis see the Sadio Mane that we used to see up until about 18 months ago so looking forward to Harvey Elliott coming back but I, what this really means is we absolutely have to get stuck into the transfer market and I, I have no expectations sadly this this January but I think now has to be the time for us to to buy big and, and buy significantly in the summer. And although we probably need um, strength in midfield, I think the 
the urgent purchase has to be one or two key um, individuals that are going to play up front. And uh, Jota is, Jota is, I think, quite legitimate. He's, he's very direct. He's a constant goal threat. And um, I've got no issues with him, but things will things change quickly you know players age quickly and i think we can't we can't just rely on um jota and the other three to to dominate english football like they did and european football like they did for a while that's for sure i'm um, just one final thing to say i absolutely loved joel matip's run forward did he get the better of maybe five players but it's almost inevitable that he can't generate a decent shot after that Quite comical. Um, I hope he continues to try <laughs> one day get the ball over the line. Um, good performance from him, other than one one little slip that I think he made um, in defence. But he's not that player. He's not that defender who makes errors that lead to costly goals. Um, and and him and Virgil and Alison Becker, yeah, they they were never really going to be under a great threat today, but they they marshaled everything very nicely. So, yeah, three good points. We are ahead of Chelsea, well clear of West Ham. If nothing else, I think we can certainly look forward to Champions League football next season. But why not focus on Champions League this season? At Galasahi on Twitter. G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. Hello, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. Ah! That winning feeling is back, and what a sweet sensation it is after two draws and a loss from our previous three Premier League matches. Here I am, two cups of tea in close proximity, ready to savour the joy of three beautiful points. Liverpool were clear winners in the end, although there were times, especially in the minutes leading up to our second goal, where various parts of my body began twitching and quivering against my control as Brentford seemed to sense an equalising goal was on the cards. Bravo to Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain for smashing that casino, though. His bullet header was a triumph of mental positivity. This is what I loved about this goal. He believed that the defender could miss it. And he believed that his teammate, Robbo, could find perfection in the cross. And he believed that he could score. That's why he dived towards the flight of the ball, and his reward for such well-placed and heart-warming faith was a perfectly timed goal. Anfield exploded in relief. My body parts resumed their normal state, and Liverpool were free to devour Brentford from there on in. Coming into this game, I was curious to see what Liverpool had learned from our previous match against Brentford. Could Joel Matip contain Tony better? Could our midfield dominate theirs? Could we stop them getting 2v1s against poor Trent at the back post? Yes, yes and yes. Three yeses and another yes for three points. And our beloved Liverpool can now... Travel to London for games against Arsenal and then Crystal Palace with more than just hope in our hearts. We can take belief 
This is Owen from Cop On Podcast, and I, for one, haven't heard a peep from any fat lady yet. Comfortable victory for Liverpool against Brentford at home, and a victory obviously they needed to get to have any chance of keeping in, well, in vision of Manchester City, I suppose. But Liverpool are always going to struggle in this period because they're missing the two best players who operate in the final third and the players who make the biggest difference to the, ultimately the outcome of football matches. And that's why you pay the, the highest money for players who can neither score or create goals. And I think Liverpool struggle the periods in this game and it'll be interesting to see against bigger tasks. I think obviously we've seen a bit of that against Arsenal where they really struggle to have that final action to be able to decide the game. And... It's not just about the the amount of statistics that Manny and Salah bring in terms of deciding the outcome of games, but it's also just the general play of the pair. They're so dangerous. They participate in all aspects of the game. You know, Manny sometimes balls will be placed in his vicinity in the area, bring people things down on his chest. They'll bring others into the game. He'll let Liverpool have sort of a ring fence in the opposition half and a different way to attack from more aerially targeted, longer balls. And then obviously you've got Solaru, just because of the absolute quality of him at this moment in time, brings that fear factor where opposition defences have to double up or drop deeper. So they open up so many avenues for for different players in Liverpool's time to be able to get more room space and, and ultimately camp and territorial, territorially dominate, sorry other teams with Liverpool being able to carry that threat. So, without them, it, it does look different. And obviously, Liverpool had Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain playing in the front three today. And it's never been a position I, I believe he's excelled in. I actually feel a bit sorry for him sometimes when he plays the position. Because if you look at his profile, you'd say he's quick, you know, strong, he's aggressive. So he should be a good fit to play uh, in a wider position. However, it's playing on the highest line of the pitch, playing on the half team being tasked with making runs from out to in and penetrating space in behind. You've got to have that tendency. You've got to have that as a natural ability within your game. And Oxlade-Chamberlain is a player who runs from deep. He sees the game in front of him. He drives into space and then obviously makes his final action from that. So it is an alien position to him. Just because you have the physical attributes to play there doesn't mean necessarily it fits you in terms of your profile or the tendencies you'd have in your game. So it's not an ideal situation in Klopp. Klopp will, will know that. And I think that's the other thing about when you're without Salah and Manny. Not only are you losing the, the individual technical quality of the two players, but you're also replacing them with players and not the same profile, and that's what Liverpool have had to do. And even if it's one player within that front three, it changes the movement patterns within Liverpool's side. And Liverpool are a system team. They are heavily reliant on the system function, the players within the, their setup knowing absolutely each other's roles and maybe not having the same individual quality, especially in midfield as some of the teams they compete against. So it is vital and that continuity and that consistency and it will have to be adapted. And listen, Liverpool were able to get past a, a pretty poor Brentford, out, Brentford outfit today. However, we've seen against Arsenal that they really struggled against well, 10 men for the vast majority and obviously they've got a difficult game coming up at Crystal Palace away. And obviously Firmino's coming back into the side and, and the thing is about Firmino you can probably say he's the ultimate system player really in that his game has probably gone on to a different level over these years because of his role within Liverpool's team being perfectly suited to the players around him you've got Salah and Manny making them runs from out to in from 
in behind. And Firmino dropping in with that opposite movement to be almost the perfect foil in Liverpool's team. And maybe if he had different profiles around him, he wouldn't have been as productive in the last few years and, and been the outstanding player he has been. So it'd be interesting to see how he gets on with the, the kinds of different profiles he may have around him within the next few weeks. Obviously, Jota is a bit more similar to Salah and Manny, not as electric from 0 to 100 over short distances. However, strong runner with the ball and someone who's got that real penetrating idea of how to hit teams with his runs. He's a real goal-getter and a great timer of movement. So he will be, he will still be a, a very important player for Liverpool and one that at least you, you're replacing them two players with someone of similar traits. Not quite the same dynamism, however. I mean, I always think back when we talk about system players going back to Firmino, I always think about Pedro Rodriguez at Barcelona, who you looked at him when he came to Chelsea and you'd probably think to yourself, you know, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but is he really outstanding? You know, can he can he be players one v one? Is he one of the great wide players we've had in the world for the last few years? And the answer was probably no. But within Barcelona's system and his unselfish movements, and the way his opposite movements to open up space for Leo Messi and others in, in the side was perfect, and he was an absolute brilliant player for Barcelona. And I think that is somewhat, albeit a different player. And Firmino is a player who drops deep as opposed to running behind. It's it's very similar in that sense. Firmino's not going to be an outstanding goal scorer, but an outstanding footballer and one who meshed perfectly with the players around him. So just so it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Liverpool are able to adapt without their super top players in the highest end of the pitch. And or whether it'll ultimately, which I am worried about, cost them potentially against Crystal Palace and potentially against Arsenal in the in the League Cup in which your final's on the horizon. Going from them players, though, to a different player profile, and Felipe Coutinho came to came back to the Premier League this week to Aston Villa. And I must say I was disappointed that Liverpool weren't in the mix for his signature. And that's, you know, I've made no finger about it. I'm a massive fan of Coutinho. I thought he was the best player in the Premier League when he left Liverpool. And I think he was just an all-round fantastic player, fantastic technical player, and then a player who could hurt you in so many different ways. And this is not nostalgia talking that I wish Liverpool had been in the mix for him, but just the fact that I think he could have actually improved Liverpool for the second half of this season. And I know people are talking, say he hasn't, you know, he's had a bad few years, but he's got the quality. And when you put him with better players and, you know, you put him in an environment in which he's previously been in and thrived and have players, you know, the manager around him who believes in him, I felt it could have been a move that could have worked. But I understand there's a lot more to it than that. There's probably financial implications of the deal that had already been struck. Maybe money still to, to be paid. But I felt he might have offered Liverpool something different that they don't have, that they haven't had since he's left. Again, you've seen it today in terms of being able to penetrate through the middle of the pitch and having a bit of craft and guile to be able to find the final pass. And I felt he could have been a really, really important player and one who been, would have been highly motivated as well to come back to Liverpool and, I suppose, show show what he could still do and when I talk about being a, a threat and a bit, being an, having an ability to hate you in so many different ways you know if you backed off him he could find a, a killer pass if he could when I say a killer pass he could cut through you whether that be an aerial ball whether that be a, a ball sliced in between a back line you know if you backed off him also he could he could hit you with a longer distance shot whether that be a kill the laces whatever it may be and then if you got too close to him, if he could actually beat you 1v1 as well, he was adept at being able to beat, beat a man. 
And the reason I bring this up is, is because the player today, Rafina, for Leeds, and I know he's been. Listen, everyone knows who Rafina is and such an outstanding player. And I never really talk about transfers because I don't watch enough football to be able to make considered views on all the players and know who'd be best suited. But he, for me, in the Premier League, would be the one I would be looking at for Liverpool. And there'll be a lot of people looking at him because, like Coutinho, if you get too close to him, he can beat you. If you back off him, he's got a shot, he can take a set play, and also he can find a pass. And pretty unlike actually Coutinho, he's got the physical capacity as well. You know, he can cover ground. Excellent pressing statistics. I think one of the best in the Premier League without the ball, but also his ability to travel at pace. He's actually got that speed. And the only, you know, people may say, well, he plays on the right hand side of the pitch, and that's where Salah plays. But, you know, he's a player as well who could be adaptable. He could play in a 10 potentially. You know, you could play Salah up the top of the end of the pitch in games and maybe put him through the right. I think he's that good. And with Premier League experience as well, and shown how deadly he is in all the metrics and how profitable he could be playing for a better team I would think he would have to be the one who I would absolutely prioritise because I think he's that good and I know there'll be different players within the world of football and there's probably some outstanding players that I don't watch on a weekly basis but if you, you wouldn't be taking a punt on, on Rafinha I think he's, he'd absolutely bring Liverpool to another level if you put in with some of the players Liverpool already have in the final third regardless of of position because I feel that you know, he's got enough flexibility to play in different roles just as Casino once did. And that was the last thing from me. So, good result today. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.